and welcome to Podcast Me Anything and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals, to interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast live with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Me Anything. I am always joined with Matthew Passy, the podcast expert and the consultant who dives into ways we don't often think about. And I've loved over the past few episodes, just winding Matthew up and letting him go because he's given us some great content. So welcome to another episode today, Matthew. Uh, ready to get wound up, man. <laughs> it, you don't really think about it in podcasting, but once you get good at doing it and like talking about a lot of random things, you have this kind of like superpower as a person to take a little like three question word thing and just start talking about it for 15 minutes because that's what you've learned to do for a living now on podcasting. And it's it's cool. It's kind of annoying sometimes when people want you just to stop talking. But in this particular case, it's perfect. Yeah, I get the sense that you want to jump in and ask a lot more follow-up questions. So I need to start breathing a little bit more and give you a chance to get in there. But like you said, I just stream of consciousness just starts dumping out of me and hopefully people can learn from me. Don't necessarily talk like this on your podcast. <laughs> well, an interesting thing that I've learned over editing podcasts is looking at your waveform and seeing what percentage would you assign to your waveform being active and the guest being active. Because in some cases, like you could actually maybe you don't want it ever to be 50-50, really. You probably want to sit between like a 25-75. Because you in most cases, you're always highlighting the guest as the expert. And you want to give them the ability to showcase what they know. And which also creates the conundrum as a host in different types of shows where you might not get an opportunity to showcase your wisdom as well, which is why in my podcast, Military Veteran Dad, I started a solo show on Fridays to do exactly that. So that way I'm talking less on the podcast and still able to bring value and to represent myself as an expert as well. You know, this isn't our deep dive topic, but I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good point and really good idea, which is one, I think 7525 is even the high end, really good interviewers. It's like almost 9010 guest uh, host. But, you know, for so many people, their podcast is a way for them to showcase their knowledge, their intelligence, their smarts, right? Like for them to show off what they're doing so that they can raise their profile. And so, yeah, I love the idea of either, you know, let the guests talk, right? You brought this person on, you're giving them time, like let them talk. Don't try and make the conversation about you. If, if you want to make it about you, don't have guests. But what you can do is like you do either create a separate episode where you get to espouse your expertise or do a recap or something, or just take a couple of minutes at the beginning of the interview, at the end of the interview to maybe talk about a news article, talk about an item or, or whatever. So that's a really clever way to have an interview based podcast, but without hogging the microphone and still being able to interject your expertise and knowledge and wisdom to build your profile, which is why so many people are doing this in the first place. I agree. And something that probably took me 120 episodes to learn because you try to keep the intro short because sometimes you get feedback like, man, I just got tired of you talking. I wanted to get to the guests and you're like, OK, I talked too long. So then you're like, well, where do I fit all this stuff in? Where do I fit in any announcements? Because then you feel like you don't have time to fit them in. I learned this pro tip. and I think I just randomly tried it from just listening to other podcasts is I would drop right before I started the interview, I would say, and hang on to the other side for my big takeaway. So I come back on the microphone. I tell them coming back on the microphone where I spend maybe five, six minutes explaining how did this interview change my life? And which then does it twofold. I get to dive into even more about the interview, but then also they get used to hearing me think 
about different things and how my brain is thinking as well. And so it allows you to even create kind of this interview sandwich where you are the final piece of bread of thought that they listen to on the way out. And again, we're going deep dive on the topic. It's not even our deep dive today, but I think shows that are very successful create something that not just has you stay till the end, but like forces you to stay till the end. There are a few shows that I listen to where I don't leave early because the, the last thing they do can often be the best part of the show. And so if you can create something, some element, uh, that'll keep people through your entire episode, maybe your call to actions or whatever. Um, great example, like, wait, wait, don't tell me does that really well, right? They ask the, all the panelists at the end, like, hey, here's a funny question, like drop in one more joke, but first, and then they roll through the credits. So I've listened to the credits for wait, wait, don't tell me every single time just to get to that piece of it. But that's not our deep dive today. We should, we're on a tangent. We are on a tangent, we're, but I've kind of like Marin talking about his cats right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make a pivot into our news, but then this news is going to flood into what we're going to deep dive on. So part of podcasting, and this is hard within the beginning because you're just getting started and you're more focused on survival than thriving or even momentum. But once you have momentum, probably I would say past 30 or 50, or once you get to pass that 100 mark, you're kind of like, I've made it as a podcaster. Well, there was some news out this week about episodes where they make a significant amount of money from their archive shows and how those archive shows are actually bringing just as much value to the business as the current published episodes. So when you read that, where did your mind go? Well, so right, this was a piece, it popped up in Pod News earlier in the week, which is where we find most of our podcasting news. So credit to James and the amazing work that he's doing there. But this was uh, posted by something called First Story, which is a podcast hosting solution. They, they seem to offer some other products as well. Uh, I will admit this is the first I'm hearing of them, but we'll definitely take a deeper dive into them after this. And they posted a piece that said, uh, basically the big takeaway from it was that 48% of people's monthly downloads are coming from old episodes, right? So you put out four new episodes a month. They, you know, they get the decent amount of downloads coming in. But when you look at your monthly total, you've got this huge swath of downloads. And most of that is coming from prior episodes, which are, which is a few things that you need to take away. One, your monthly downloads don't mean anything, especially if you are trying to espouse how successful your show is, right? Like, oh, we get 5,000 downloads a month, four episodes. That's roughly 1,250 uh, downloads per episode. Not really, right? Because if let's say, just to even numbers, let's say half of those are coming from your archive. So now you're really splitting 2,500 downloads across four new episodes. So your math is a little bit wrong. But what does that tell you? It tells you two things. One, you need to focus on marketing and remarketing your old content, right? Just because you wrapped up an episode and you've moved on to the next one doesn't mean that last episode is dead and gone in the water unless you do something super, super topical, right? Market activity, daily news, crypto prices, right? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, tough to remarket that because it's you know super dead in the water. But also what it means is that there is a chance to monetize your old content and, and build up, you know, and earn from those downloads that you were getting. Now, for a lot of folks and, you know, traditional podcasting, you record an episode, you read your ad, that ad stayed in your episode. So if in 2015, you did a sponsorship for, gosh, I don't know, BlackBerry, right? Hey, try the new BlackBerry cell phone. Well, if I go listen to that episode in 2021, I'm hearing you do an ad for a BlackBerry, which by the way, 
they no longer support it anymore. Blackberries are dead. So this ad that I'm hearing in your old content is one, it severely dates your episode. Two, it's lost opportunity, lost space, and you're missing out. And so what they were highlighting was that dynamic insertion is the key to really monetizing and turning your entire catalog of content into usable, sellable podcasting. Because right now, if you go to an advertiser, you say, hey, here are episodes, you know, the next four coming up, we roughly get about a thousand downloads per episode. They're going to say, okay, I'm going to buy the CPM for 1000 downloads for each episode. But if you're using dynamic insertion, you could turn to that same advertiser and say, we get 10,000 downloads a month. And anytime anybody listens to any episode that, you know, we produced, if they listen to it in this month, they can hear your messaging. So I think this is another very, very strong case for people to take advantage of dynamic ad insertion. Um, and of course, we'll go into a little bit more, more effective ways to do that. But that's the big takeaway here is dynamic ad insertion is the moneymaker for podcasters with a large catalog who are getting significant downloads of their historical content. And so if you're listening to this episode and you're like, you have the old archaic mindset where once an audio file was published, you created it the ads were inserted and baked into the file. The idea of maybe popping them out and swapping them out if you're your own editor could seem really overwhelming. I know that because that's how I felt about it. And now that the technology is changing and also the whole ad space in general is changing, the ad space is opening up to essentially a lot easier methods to incorporate it. You don't necessarily have to have a producer managing all these advertising relationships. It's a lot easier I mean, it's a five minute thing once you accept an advertiser to get them into your content. So let's spank that switch and let's talk about what is dynamic insertion. It's talked about, we've talked about it last week with dynamic show notes. So it's coming up a lot, but in this basic core, what is it? So dynamic insertion is basically the idea that you can change content within your podcast on the fly. Right. So what happens is you upload your content. We've talked about this because we were, you know, super excited about dynamic insertion with Captivate. And there's lots of other platforms that do this well. Megaphone, uh, Audio Boom, Buzzsprout, Blueberry, uh, Lips and Haps. Like there's lots of opportunities to do dynamic insertion. But, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot because of the news when when Captivate released it and the, and the way they do it. But so it allows you to basically insert content at the point of download. So you upload your episode, you put in these digital markers, and then when the file is about to be downloaded by the user, or or all the files are kind of regenerated monthly, depending on the, the technology you're using, but basically the, the servers know like, oh, there's a marker right here, let's slide this ad in. And so having that digital marker, having that ability to dynamically insert the content means that at any point, you can go in and swap that content with the touch of a button, with the you know click of a mouse or whatever, whatever euphemism you want to use. And so there's like three, I'll call it flavors of dynamic insertion that you can use. The one, and this is probably what most people think of and what makes most people hesitant to use dynamic insertion is kind of like the YouTube model, which is I upload my show to a network, the network inserts ads. I have no say, no control, but I get paid for whatever gets put in there. And that can be a little scary to folks because 
you don't know necessarily what kind of ads are going to get thrown against your show. Now, in most cases, you should have some say, some ability to, you know, give a right of refusal or some ability to say like, yeah, you know, we don't really want car ads in there or we don't really think it's appropriate to do gambling ads or ads for gold, right? Like you should be able to have some say, but depending on what network you're working with and what contract you sign, you might not. And so that form of dynamic insertion where you're just giving up your content to the lottery of chance can be a little bit scary. It's also probably the fastest way for you to start earning since, you know, people are just selling against whatever impressions they can get. Another way you can do it is that you can control what goes in there, right? You don't have to use dynamic insertion just to give it up to somebody else. Using any of these platforms, you could say, all right, I've reached out to an advertiser. I built that relationship. I sold the ad. I'm you know, doing everything directly. I can change the ad. And then you could decide, okay, come February, every single dynamic ad slot that we have is going to 1-800-Flowers, right? Valentine's Day is coming up. Good time to start doing 1-800-Flower ads because they want to sell flowers and fruit baskets and all sorts of you know good stuff like that. But so the key there is you get to say, okay, up until February 14th, somebody downloads any episode of my show in the catalog, they will hear an ad for 1-800-Flowers with a promo code that is relevant to 2022. Cool. The last thing you can do is you don't even have to use this for advertising content. You can use this for promotional, self-promotional, or even for just content changes. You know, there are some of these platforms that allow you to target specific geographical regions, which is kind of cool. And there are some that, again, because you have the ability to change this stuff on the fly, you could just be making all sorts of changes. So maybe instead of advertising, you just want to pop in there and say, hey, uh, you know, we're launching a webinar next month. And so go in there and get the code right now. Well, after you've launched the webinar, maybe you got something else. You want to swap out that webinar. That's still dynamic ad insertion, even though you're not necessarily taking money from a third-party vendor to put that content into your show. Um, And then, of course, you could literally change out the content. So in some cases, and I think we're going to see more of this in the future, I think you'll see large media networks like, you know, let's say a, a New York Times, right? They might start to put out the daily and maybe they want to include a thing that says, hey, listeners in the South, here's a few headlines just for you. Or, hey, West Coasters, here's an update that we got, you know, here's something that's relevant just to you because that technology is getting better and it can kind of know where those downloads are happening. So those are a lot of different interesting ways that dynamic insertion works. And so I think the first one is probably the most prevalent, probably the most well-known, but I would say the one you should be least interested in pursuing. You remind me of, I want to say it's like when you watch the news or even like Good Morning America, where they do the the national weather for three minutes and then they take you to either local weather and they flash into your local weatherman jumping in or that last like five minutes where you jump in and get your local news from your local and then they go back to that national broadcast after it's over. That's kind of what you're talking about, that there's this national syndicated feed that goes out, but then local media networks are essentially selling space within these different slots. And it was almost be like, say a local NBC station somewhere is selling different advertising in this bigger feed that's more tied to the local offering. So it's 
probably not too far off where that is definitely something that, that people experience every day in their common podcasting I'll tell you, RSS somebody, feed. As you say, if somebody else isn't doing it, I want to do it soon. So. <laughs> yeah. And you've often talked about like the final frontier made up the final, but like one of the most interesting spaces to mold podcasting is localizing content from a podcasting, finding localized content. Like that's still one place that's kind of like the wild, wild west. Like there's not a good zip code podcast search place. And I think this kind of all ties that together of why it's important, what tools we have available that we didn't have before, and maybe why it's perfect time to get some more of that specialized content and being able to do it fast. And I agree, dynamic ad insertion is one of those tools that you're like, how did we not invent this sooner? But based on the amount of like processing power that I can imagine it takes for these engines to do it in the background, it was probably more of just a company has to reach a certain size before they can throw this amount of investment in this space. And it just took some of the bigger ones to do it and then kind of creating the the standard that everybody else followed it by. And to be also more just acceptable as like people don't, they probably maybe thought it was weird to get your RSS feed updated automatically. And now it's the gold standard. Well, and so it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about localized content. I'm telling you right now, I'm listening to a show. Uh, it's not a localized show in any way, shape, or form. I'm actually going to pull it up here. So I apologize if you hear it start playing because uh, Overcast has this cool thing where it'll actually like give you information about the show. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure these guys are hosting their show on Megaphone. And if that's the case, I am getting ads for this show for local car dealerships, which I've never heard before. So it's not just buy the new Ford Mustang. It's check out your Burns Ford dealership here in the, you know, New York, New, you know, tri-state area. Um, so you're definitely starting to get into it, but yeah, there's, there's a, I think there's a, a wave of that coming. You know, I think we talked about it briefly. We're working, we're getting ready to open up a studio around helping people create this kind of content and then hopefully launching some sort of directory to make it easy for users to at least find this content. And then we'll, we'll see where it takes us from there. Wholeheartedly agree. So let's pivot and not really pivot. We're just going to give us some, uh, tie up a question here to answer that. Maybe you've been listening to this and you had a question pop in. This is the common question that comes up when you think about dynamic ad insertion. So what can I do if I don't have ads to fill my dynamic slots? Should I remove them? What is that? What does that thought process look like when you're like, this is it, but I don't have ads to fill my dynamic slots. So this is an interesting question because this has been coming up for me. It's been driving me crazy. And I think we we even talked about this a little bit last time about that listener experience, which is if I'm listening to a show that's getting dynamically served ads, and this is happening not just in podcasting, but even in streaming services, especially if you're streaming, say, like a live sporting event, right, where they have to fill that commercial time, and you start getting the same ads back to back to back to back, it is it's going to drive people away. It's going to drive people crazy. And it's really inexcusable in podcasting because frankly, if you either someone messed up or someone didn't set something correctly, but if you don't have enough content to fill that many slots, then remove one of them, right? Like that should be your thinking. That said, I don't agree with that philosophy. Here's why. If you are planning on having ads in your show, if the thought is at some point in your life, you want to build, you want to sell your audience to an advertiser, from day one, start having ads in your show. 
So if we decide one day that Podcast Me Anything is gonna have two commercial breaks, we should start putting in two commercial breaks now before we even get a chance to sell them. Why? Because the audience will get used to having breaks so that when it happens later, they don't all of a sudden go, oh man, these guys sold out and now they're selling stuff, boo, right? Like you wanna avoid that kind of shock to the listener experience, to the, the listener system, and you wanna build in that consistency of what you're bringing. So how do you do that? One, especially if you're a brand looking at podcasting, advertise yourself, right? Advertise your services, advertise your newsletter, all those call to actions that you're itching to jam into your intro and outro of your show, save it, put it into a, a put it into a nice little advertisement for yourself and say, Hey, you want to learn about podcast me anything in the podcast consultant, go check out the We've got blah, 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 right? Separate that content, separate that sponsored message from the rest of your show now and sell it for yourself, right? This is your marketing vehicle. Go ahead and market yourself, but don't just do one ad, right? Don't just go in there and produce one single message and let that play on loop for the next six months while you get your act together. Because now what you've done is you've created white noise. People are going to tune it out. They're going to start fast forwarding. And then when you go to put in a real ad, they're not going to be listening because they already assume it's going to be junk. So I would say prepare yourself with about maybe six to 12 versions of promotional messaging that you can do for yourself and start to work those in. That would be my, my first piece, especially for companies or brands that want to use podcasting to grow themselves. And by the way, it doesn't have to just be your services, right? You could have events coming up, right? We're talking dynamic insertion. So we could swap those out. Running a sale this month, put those ads in now. Have a webinar coming up, put those sales in now. Heck, you can even put in advertisements for your own podcast. Hey, we know you love listening to Podcast Me Anything. Make sure you go to podcastmeanything.com and subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, blah, 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 right? Like there's, there's no limit to how you could promote yourself. So that's one, like start getting your own promotional messages. And I'm going to target some of the larger media companies that are doing this, but you know, you have big, big networks that are running ads for themselves. I'll, I'm going to pick on the start here podcast. Cause that's the one I listen to most often. They've got like three regular ABC ads that they run, but it's the same three ads. I've got them memorized right now. Right. And like ABC has lots and lots of stuff that they could be selling. Right. They have a whole broadcast lineup every night. They have a whole, um, they've got a whole broadcast lineup. They've got all these different podcasts that they're producing. They've got all these different networks. Right. It's not just ABC, it's Disney, it's ESPN, it's this, right. Like there are things that they could be selling for themselves because they've got the time. So look around at what you have and just, use it to your advantage. It'll make you sound bigger than you are if you stop, spread it out, mix up the message, change it up, alter the seasonality of it, right? It can be the same thing, but you can even just start with a a December one. Ho, 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 it's time for Podcast Me Anything or ah, love is in the air. Speaking of love, I love Podcast Me Anything, right? Like you you can turn that into a seasonality with your own promotional messages. The other thing that I would look to do is PSAs. Not a lot of people think about this, but when you listen to the radio, you are constantly bombarded with public service announcements, right? You've got the, you know, no smoking announcements. You've got the get your COVID vaccine announcement. 
You've got the, you know, wear a seatbelt announcement. There are these PSA companies that are dying to get their message out there. And if you reach out to them, they will need, they would love, love the goodwill of being able to put their messaging in your show. And it makes you look better because you're promoting a positive message. Um, so or the most I, famous I, one is have your pets spayed or neutered. Yes. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Right. And how many listen, times did Bob Barker say that? Uh, probably a million. And listen, you don't have to sell it. Find a cause that you're passionate about. Are you big on pets? Okay. Reach out to your local shelter and offer to do, you know, see if they have a PSA that you can run for them or, or, you know, listen to your local radio station, check out what PSAs they have and go contact that organization and say, where are we going to copy your PSAs? I'm pretty sure you can find it online um, and just download and start running them. But especially these larger media companies, instead of repeating the same ad over and over and over again, or running the same tired content week in and week out, um, or, you know, maybe it's just the slow month, fill that time so that I don't get used to having you having one ad. And then all of a sudden I'm getting four ads from you. Cause when I hear the four ads, I'm going to be like, Ugh, how many ads are they running now? And you might start to lose me. You have to train me to know what to expect. Also percentages. You should not, you shouldn't be running, you know, like your ad content shouldn't really exceed more than 10% of your total runtime. So if you're doing a 10 minute podcast, you really shouldn't have three minutes of ads in there. That's just a bad equation, right? You've got to, you've got to think about the listener experience and keep it under, I mean, even 10% feels high, but I understand if you're on a 10 minute podcast, a one minute ad is not the worst thing in the world. And depending on what you're listening for or what you're listening to that 10 minute podcast for, it could make it worth it as well. I did have a thought that popped in my head and I'm interested to see like where you would take it. And it first popped in my head when we were talking about like filling blank spots of doing what SNL does instead of selling an actual real life advertising, SNL actually creates their own joke commercials to either make a pun. They did one funnestly about man park and how there, there's these places that men can go and these are special man parks where they can talk to each other and they made this whole big promo about it. And I, in my first thought was like, bringing humor to a show is really good because it brings another side of you that maybe you and I often fell into this trap of taking myself too seriously and being too stuffy. So I've enjoyed maybe telling like dad jokes to bring a different side to myself. So I'm wondering, is there also a world where maybe you just create an, a funny ad to show another side of you to bring some humor to the podcast and maybe lighten it up. I think that would be a fantastic idea. I think that's a lot of, I think that's, especially if you're doing a comedy podcast, especially if you're doing a personality driven podcast. Yeah. Showcase your personality, use that ad space to do it. And by the way, uh, you know, if you're doing host red ads, change them up. You are doing a disservice to you and to your advertiser by recording one ad and running it over and over and over and over again. I will tell you listening. I used to listen to pod save America all the time. One of the appeals of listening to them was the ads. They were always new. They were always different. They were always uniquely read each week. They would even always bring in like a topical mention, um, you know, whatever they were talking about that day on the pod, like it might even get interjected into the ad read itself, which made them more entertaining and more enjoyable to listen to. 
So try not to get stale with your advertising content because then people aren't going to listen. They're not going to buy stuff. Your advertisers are going to be like, I'm spending all this money on these guys and not getting anything from them. Why are we doing it? And you're not going to be very effective. I agree with that. And there's so much of that advice that I need to apply because I am working with my first advertiser as well. And right now I'm running one ad read and I've done it four times now. So I feel like you just gave me some homework where I need to go back in there and read their second copy that they gave me that I could read and start loading that in there as well. And interesting enough, there was something that hit me when you were talking about personality is dynamic ad insertion could also allow you to be a more a dynamic personality. And if you're podcasting, you should be dynamic. You shouldn't be one channel flavor type personality. So dynamically inserting yourself in different ways into the podcast, either through advertising, which almost gives you your voice this kind of like movie tone. Like you don't often think like your voice is worthy of reading on an ad. So it almost gives you another version of your personality to showcase it. Like, yeah, there is this interesting version of you that can read a host ad and do voice inflection and do different things that normally maybe you wouldn't do in a podcast. So dynamic ad insertion is really allowing you to dynamically insert your personality in new ways. True. Oh, and by the way, make sure whether you're talking about host, you know, embedded ads, host, red ads, whatever it is, make sure it's clear that the content is sponsored content and not show content. Um, this drives me crazy when I hear a podcast and all of a sudden there's like three seconds of dead silence and the host just comes back and says, I really love Wheaties. You should go get a box of Wheaties. Like, is this the show? Like, you need something. You don't have to have music under your bed read, but have some sort of separation from content to ads so that we understand that this is now paid or promotional content that is coming in. I love that advice. And it also, again, it just gives you a new opportunity to understand your production process, to figure out what does it look like to put some music under maybe you're speaking, make sure it's faded correctly, and just do some different transitional tones, figuring out what that could be. Like I learned a couple of years ago the term audio logo. I never knew what that meant, but it's a tone that people associate with your logo. And it's Sonic like the branding, yeah. NBC, the Bell, the ABC News, like they all have their tone, but we don't really know what to call it. So it gives you, again, to dynamically enhance more of who you are in presenting to the world as well. Yes. It's also called sonic branding for those who might want to be like Googling that and, and learn more about that. But right. Like if you hear the, the boom, 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 right. Everybody's like, Oh, NBC show or do, 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 which I'm sure nobody can tell the way I'm doing it, but like everybody would hear and be like, Oh, that's Intel, right? Like sonic branding is a very powerful tool that you can think of. Um, I think Wondery does a really good job of that. always including their like Wondery sounder on shows uh, but also good networks, they usually they'll use the same bed music across all of their ads so that right away, you know, ah, promotional content. Now, listen, if you get a ton of ads, you might want to switch it up a little bit, but keep a regular library of ad music that is distinguished from your show music so that people realize not the show I'm listening to. Love that. And that's two extra bonus deep dives that we did not intend on covering today. So if you listen to this episode, <laughs> you got our regular scheduled program and you got two buffer contents on the outside that were not dynamically inserted, but perfectly married together here. So Matthew, that wraps up another episode of Podcast Me Anything. For any information about the things mentioned in this podcast to follow up or get information about other shows or to book a call with Matthew. That is actually how this friendship started is I spent money investing in Matthew to audit my podcast. And then the next thing you know, we became best friends after it. So 
head on over to podcastmeanything.com to check out that podcast consultant call. He dives into your podcast and helps you understand all the different areas that you might be overlooking and things you're tripping over and really probably figuring out those things that could really move the needle the most because it can be an overwhelming process. So Matthew, thank you for joining us again. Of course, always my pleasure, sir.